0: I'm Dr. George Andale. I was thinking about the music that was playing, though, how those that created those lyrics really have a sense of, in my opinion, of what's going on. And it's sort of what we're going to be talking about tonight in our second show. So I just want to introduce myself again um, to those of you that weren't here with me last week. I'm Dr. George Andale. Um, I love what I do uh, for a living. And um, I work um, as a psychoanalyst and a spiritual director. And I spoke a little bit about last week um, how God brought me to the combination of both infusing into one another to do my work um, to bring to all of you. And I feel very, very blessed about that because I love what I do and I love all of you because we are all connected Every one of us are connected to each other. And um, I want to thank you for the blessing of journeying with me tonight and having me journey with you. So what are we journeying towards? So I, I entitled this The Journey Through. Because what we're going to look at as the developmental stages from the time that the cells come together even before that, all the way up to adulthood and what happy happens along that way along that journey and we must have we have to journey through the places of our journey are uncomfortable, and many times are that they are uncomfortable but we need to journey through them because they speak to us. God comes to us as life and speaks to us through our lives. So we can't go under it, around it, over it, looking to avoid the pain, unfortunately. And it's one of the things I love about Catholicism. I'm a convert. I studied Buddhism, Hinduism, um, some Judaism. Um, I studied theology. But I, God brought me to... Uh, my faith. And um, I guess I would have to say that I am a Catholic Buddhist because the Buddhism, the Buddhists have a great philosophy um, and uh, approach to life, but it is not the Christ. And Christ is not Jesus's last name. Christ encompasses all that is. It's all of creation. It's what the song was talking about. Quote, the cosmos, and how we're all connected. And in the first book of the Bible, which is the Torah, part of the Torah, it speaks of that the Word was made flesh. And the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh. And that Word, as God, came and walked amidst humanity in Jesus. I'm not here to convert anyone, but I wanted to just begin that with that, so that when I use the word Jesus, that maybe you can hear it as the God of your understanding. I know many times my uh, clients or patients say, I'm not really religious, Dr. Dow, I'm spiritual. That's great, I'm not here to convert anyone. You know, for me, um, I fell in love with Jesus, I met Jesus, um, and that's a story that I went through last week, and I'm not going to repeat it. If you'd like to hear it, you can listen to it, because I had an awakening, a spiritual awakening. And, um, but I want to just begin there, because we are all part of the cosmos. We are all part of the Christ, Christ as creation, the first creation, was the Christ, which is God, which is always was, always has been, always will be. So where are we journeying? What are we journeying towards? And we are journeying towards what exists in every living thing. And as human beings, we're the only ones that have the capacity to be mindful, to observe what's going on inside ourselves. And we're going to look at all of this, a lot of it this evening. Um, And again, thank you for being here with me. So the Christ is the seat of our personal consciousness, personally and collectively. Okay. Each person affects the other. If we're going to look at the sea, the ocean, and we're going to look at an iceberg, if we're going to compare our consciousness to an iceberg, only 10% of that iceberg is above sea level, is above, I should, I shouldn't, I should phrase it this way, is above the surface of the water. That's our consciousness. We only use 10% of our consciousness. The other 90% is below sea level, is below what we are aware of. And we're going to look at all of that. We all desire to go deeper. Part of scripture talks about going beyond the limits of the mind. Why? What is the mind? The mind is made up of really processes, right? The ego is part of that. You have the id, you have the ego, and you have your superego. Super but well, we're not going this is, you know, as much as this might seem like a course, um, we're not going to be doing that and going over that tonight. But each, the scripture talks about, and Bartimaeus, and I quoted him last week, um, he was a blind beggar. And he was walking through a town called Jericho. And on his way, Jesus was walking through the town. He was the only one out of, I don't know, a thousand people that stood up and was calling Jesus' name. And when Jesus called him over, right, God always knows what, and again, I'm going to speak to as, of Jesus as God. You can put in the God of your understanding, whatever word you want to use. God can see what we need, but God wants us to name it and claim it. We need to develop a consciousness of what goes on inside of us. Why is that thwarted? Why is that not apparent? We're going to look at that in a moment. But every one in the Bible that came up to Jesus and Jesus could see what they wanted or needed, he would ask them, what is it you want me to do for you? They would have to name it because we are not ready to receive that which we are not conscious of desiring. And Bartimaeus said, I want to see, Lord. I want to see like you do. I want to see beyond the small mind of the ego. I want my awareness to be stretched and opened to be able to receive the depth of life, the depth of love that you call us to, the fullness of life. And I'm not experiencing that. And I would tend to say that I don't think many of us do. And there's reasons for that. So when the egg and the sperm meet, I believe the soul enters the human being or the creation, because we're all creatures, the creatures. The fetus, the cells come together, a fetus is is created, and the fetus, as it's in the womb for nine months developing, it experiences its own experience of the womb. It has its own experience of that womb, but it also has the experience of whom, of whose womb it is, so it also has the experience of mother, of mother's life. So, if, for instance, my mother lost, I lost a, my mother lost a son before me, he was stillborn. So my mother got pregnant with me. She was very, very nervous, and had a lot of anxiety. My mother had an anxiety disorder to begin with, but my mother was very, very anxious. And all through the pregnancy, when she would talk to me as I got older, she said, oh, my goodness, when you were in the womb, when you were in mommy's tummy, you turned and turned and turned. I was obviously experiencing that anxiety now. Some of you might say, oh, you know, that's ridiculous. And by the way, this, these are not my opinions. You can look this up. There is many, many texts on anxiety a fetus's experience of the womb but also i struggle with the anxiety even just to get on this show with you i have anxiety i've had many many years of my own personal analysis which i totally believe in and will always take part in because i believe that god made us with unlimited possibilities and i continue to challenge myself and stretch to become. I desire to be open as the seed of Christ within me. So I can struggle, but I've learned how to work with and live with that struggle as I've come to know myself and not reject myself. And we're going to look at why we do that. So I remember there was a woman who was a cellist and she played the cello beautifully. And there was this one song that she loved and she played it all the time when she was pregnant. And when her son was born and started to grow up, he wanted to be a cellist and he became one. And his favorite song was the song she played while being pregnant with him. Amazing, really amazing. And there are so many stories like this that you could research. Um, And we're going to talk about more examples of this as we go along. So I believe we're going to take a um, minute break. So I thank you for your attention. And I, I hope that you'll um, stay tuned.
1: You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours
2: a day.
3: Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc.
2: Hey, all you listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc.
0: I am Dr. George Andow, and, and we're back on the live show of a Journey Within, A Journey Through, sorry, Journey Within, to get to The Journey Through. Um, so I was talking about um, the fetus being in the womb and its experience of, it, of its own and of mother um, while it's being held in the, in the womb. My goddaughter, who's going to be two years old in November, um, her mom and her father um, are patients of mine. So even though we went outside of boundaries, um, I said yes when they asked me to be godmother. And just a beautiful story of those two, um, just doing so beautifully. And my goddaughter is just, um, I cherish her. When she was um, in my patient's womb, she would come to her sessions and I would lay my hands on her tummy and I would talk to her and we would pray over her. This child is happy 24-7. It is just unbelievable. And when she was first born and heard my voice, she immediately knew my voice. She was smiling and her eyes lit up and she was looking around. It is just amazing. So if mother and father are having um, a rough marriage when a baby is being carried, if there are arguments, if there is trauma or tragedy that goes into the baby, goes into the infant via the nervous system. So the child is born. Now, every parent has good intentions most of the time. I think all parents have good intentions and want the best for their child. So let's say the child is in the crib and there's another child, and uh, two years old, three years old, and skins his knee. And the baby is in the crib crying and has wet itself. And mommy runs to the skinned a child with the skinned knee because it doesn't hear the baby and runs outside. And the baby is left. These simple experiences of the baby can feel like an impact to the child. Because the child knows nothing. Its first experience and only experience was the comfort and the security and the consistency of the womb. So the child is a sponge and it doesn't see for a couple of weeks of its life. And everything is new. So it is learning Everything new. It is beginning to develop the self. Everything is new. How the baby is touched. How the baby is touched for the first couple of weeks of its life sets up an entire unconscious part of itself where it either trusts or distrusts. People. And there are many other examples of that. But what I want you to take away is that how a child is, when it's first born, not even walking yet. It picks everything up through sound, through touch, and through sight. So the child begins to grow. And age two, they call it the terrible twos, age two, potty training, depending on the child before that, is when a child begins to individuate. So the child is no more feeling that I am mommy, but starts to feel I am separate. I am me, but I am also you. You are you, but you are also me. And during these stages, where I, they call it the terrible twos, which I so dislike, is because the child is trying to develop itself. This is the this is the ongoing beginnings of the development of the ego. And this is very important because how a child is treated, how it is taught how it is spoken to how it is made to feel about itself sets up for the rest of its adult life a whole preset of beliefs feelings forever until it starts to be worked out worked through which we're going to look at an infant's like a sponge right? Is the home environment loving? Is the home environment safe? Does the home environment feel consistent? Did people speak loudly? Did they speak softly? You can see it in children when they have experienced shame. And again, no one means it. When we look at this, there's no criticism to mom and dad. There's no criticism to anyone. The first foundation of a child in the development of the ego is crucial. And this is going to make sense more and more as we go along. And again, mom and dad, fabulous. There's no guide on parenting. No one knows how to parent. We will parent how we were parented. And we're going to look at this also. We repeat what we were brought up around. Everyone in my family was very loud. I needed to work very hard in my own analysis to tone it down because I didn't want to be loud. But I first had to face that I was. And the development of our first order of the ego, I call it the mechanical self, which we're going to look at, doesn't want to hear that it has to change anything or that, quote, anything is wrong. Not bad, but it's just Not really me. It's a false interpretation of me. The child in the house takes on the realities of life and believes that it's appropriate, accurate. So the child starts to walk and talk. A boy might pick up daddy's briefcase and learn to walk with it. A little girl will put on mommy's, high heels or pick up mommy's purse, they will emulate mommy, daddy in every way, not just outwardly, but inwardly. They will emulate and take on like a sponge what they saw mommy and daddy, how they saw mommy and daddy's views. And if they started taking on views that were outside of mommy and daddy's range, or I call it a skill set, The child in many ways can be made to feel shameful. How a child is potty trained, how a child is raised, how a child goes through the individuation stage, I said is crucial and it is. Because many times a parent doesn't mean to, but the child will be shamed or made to feel bad and wrong if it's not getting something, if it's not doing it right. So a child will walk over to an electrical socket and go to touch it. And if with anxiety, the parent runs over, and of course they're worried, but if they run over because this is how they were treated and says, get away from there, what are you doing? Or has a reaction like that, the child will shrink and made to feel wrong and shameful. No one means it, but it happens and it happens. In my family, um, if I spilled a glass of milk, it was like a catastrophe. It was, I was made to feel that it was a catastrophe and something was very long, wrong. So it added to my already existing anxiety. And by the way, most human beings go through life with anxiety and or depression, um, without question. So, this is how um, shame is born. This is how low self esteem is born. And a child p- begins to pick up mommy and daddy's views. They listen to mommy and daddy's conversations. This is how prejudice is born. So, with everything going on right now, which I think is a difficult time, but I think it's a powerful time where it's opened up the voice of prejudice which has to be opened up and looked at, everyone is the same and everyone is connected. So because you have different color skin or your nose is a little bit different or your hair is different or your, it doesn't matter. We're all connected. We're all brothers and sisters. Doesn't mean we have to like each other, but the love, because we all come from God and we all come from love. It's who we are. It's our true self, which is what I'm talking about in our desire to go back to the seat of Christ, the seat of God, of your understanding, which is love. We were born out of love. So if a child grows up hearing about hearing those kind of words and hearing an uh, affect, an affect meaning a tone, a, um, a view of uh, something, a facial expression. Many times people will react in their contemporary lives to a facial expression because it reminds them of something upsetting in their early years of what they were brought up around. So our views on the world and our relationships and the, the small minds of the ego are formed between zero and seven. And I say small minds of the ego because it's, it's very limited. It's limited just to what we saw. Even more than what happened in the family, what's most important is how the child growing up was made to feel about him or herself. That's what's important. That's crucial because that's what a child, grown adult, will carry with them all their days and we're going to take a look at that when we come back you're listening to A Journey Through with Dr. George Andow we'll be right back, we're taking a brief a brief pause
2: you're listening to Talk Radio NYC, uplift educate, empower
0: Hi, welcome back. I'm Dr. George Andow and we're gathered here to listen to um, a journey through. So we were talking about our first stages of development and emotional development of a baby into adolescence, into adulthood and how we begin to form. And this is of course, a brief overview, right? We learn, we learn by what we saw, what we heard, we took in everything as a sponge. And this is our first order of life. And we believe it to be fact and to be true. We believe that our feelings are fact. We believe that these perceptions are fact. And in fact, most of the time, they're not. We learned certain skill sets that we count on and rely on to get us through life. And many times when the sequence changes or the environment changes and it's different than what we were brought up around, these skill sets don't work. What do we do with that? We're going to be looking at that. So a skill set, there are emotional skill sets, which um, we're going to be looking at, and many of the other skill sets, it's all mechanical, um, and it's unconscious. So for instance, one might be uh, learning to walk as a baby. You don't think about left, right, left, right, heel, toe, heel, toe. Um, You don't think about it. It becomes unconscious. You don't have to think about it. You just do it, which is great. We need our ego. It's very important to have that. As we get older, our ego, we develop it and we learn to drive. We don't think about it. We just get in the car and we go. We don't have to think about it. I'm going to put the shift in park. I'm going to put the shift in. I'm going to put my right foot on the gas. and the, um, We don't think about it. We just do it. It's unconscious so is our emotional um, development that we were looking at in the very early stages of life that we don't remember, but it's in there. It's unconscious and it's in there. So in these early stages, whatever verbal or physical or sexual abuse that we experienced or, or saw we have inside of us. We will probably not remember it, but we need to because the feelings of what we experienced are there and they get translated or transmitted onto our contemporary life and what we don't transmute, what we don't heal, what we don't transmute, we transmit. And we're going to be spending the next couple of weeks looking at all of this in more detail with examples. And I'm going to have some patience on to give more of an understanding. And I, this is, you know, I was, I had such anxiety because I was praying about, you know, it's one thing to do this work. You can't read a book on this. You can't really even tell anyone this. It's a it's an individual journey that that must be taken. But I know that God called me to this because I was teach when I teach this. Um, God kept on giving me images of a large group, a large crowd, and so anyway, I God brought me this, and this is why we're here. So um, whatever you were brought up around, you're carrying in you, you're carrying with you. And where it's uncomfortable, when it's touched upon, you will look to get rid of it. You will look to transmit it outward. So I call these pre-talking experiences. They're familiar experiences in our contemporary life, such as um, our relationships, our most intimate relationships will bring them up the most. So for instance, um, a patient of mine would, as a little boy, would struggle very much with the sound of chewing and really had a hard time with the many, many reasons why. Before uh, when, before he was hit at the table, his uh, parent would chew very, very loudly. So in his contemporary life, when he heard that sound, he got incredibly rageful. Anger and rage, by the way, is a cover-up for D- D- for depth of sadness, sorrow, or fear. So he would get incredibly rageful. Now, of course, this is totally irrational. But to him, it made sense because he was responding to a feeling that was inside of him. When we come to learn over time and this inner work that that we are not our feelings, feelings are things we have. They don't define us. Just like whatever we do for a living doesn't define us. My psychoanalytical work, my spiritual directive work does not define me. Nothing that we do defines us. Except maybe love. So if we are prejudiced over something, that's our full self. We each have a true and false self. Thomas Merton, incredible mystic. I think he died in the 60s or the 50s. Beautiful man. He coined these parts of ourselves, the true and full self. The small mind of the ego, the one that is developed pre-talking in the household, in the first order of life, and we're gonna look at the ordering next week, where we learn these skill sets on how to handle life and handle experiences. But again, the experiences that were upsetting or painful, where we were made to feel disappointed, shamed, where we were hurt, where we were abused, where we were abandoned, where we were constricted, where we felt controlled, All of these parts of ourselves we stuffed in a bag and we created what are called defenses, ways of covering them up in the outer world. But in the inner world, they exist and affect our everyday life. So, for instance, I was... My father wanted a boy, not a girl. So I tried everything I could to be a boy, to grow up as a boy. And he loved me regardless of the fact that I was a girl, but he wanted a boy. And I can fix a toilet. I'm a terrible cook. <laughs> um, and I'm laughing because the man in my life is probably listening to this. And he's going, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um So my father did plumbing and heating for a living. And he didn't believe that a girl should go to college. So he always made me feel that I was stupid, not smart. And when I would spill milk or something in the way I was treated, when I made a mistake like that, see, a parent would say, It's okay, sweetheart. Let mommy wipe it up. I know you didn't mean it. But that's not how many parents, again, no criticism. It's not how many parents speak to their children. Um, God bless you if you do. That's great. And if you don't, I hope that hearing this helps. Um, So being spoken to that way made me feel very ashamed when I made a mistake. So my father making me feel that I was not real smart. I defended against that in a very productive way. Now we can hopefully use our wounds productively. Many times we don't, but how I use mine was I went and I, I saw, I don't have any children of my own. I gave that up and went towards getting degrees. So I have two doctorates, whoopee-doo, but I went towards that as a defense against me feeling stupid. So do I feel stupid anymore? No, not because I got the degrees, but because I've worked on myself analytically and those wounds have been healed. But it took many, many years for me to face that I felt stupid. The ego doesn't want to look at these things. It's very small and in a box. And we all want to take our understanding and put a bow on it, put it on a box and say, okay, there it is. Now I know how to live. But we really don't. Because this only goes so far. And God uses all of life to stretch us and the things that will stretch us the most are love and suffering when we see a baby when we play with a child when we can hold a baby when we lose someone we love you know these these places these open us up open us up to a deeper sense of self to a deeper sense of being for us to explore and they must They must. We are not what we were brought up to believe we were. We are bigger and greater than that. I have a woman friend who was loved adoringly by her parents. And today is a grown-up, and I love her dearly. But she knows everything. She believes in herself so much that She could never humble herself to think that she might not know something. And I love her dearly. I accept that part of her because I accept my own woundedness. And I can only accept others woundedness where I accept my own. We all are wounded, every single one of us. The only difference is those of us that know we are. I thank you for taking a a one minute break. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being here with me. I do. do.
2: You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
5: Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws?
0: We're back, Dr. George Andow, we journey journeyed through. So I, I just want to backtrack a little bit when we were talking about the intrauterine experience and how it affects uh, a human being, that child being in the womb at that time. A 16-year-old who was constantly looking to take her life, commit suicide, um, repeatedly tried and failed, thank you God, but tried, only to find out after interviewing the parents and getting them to tell the truth that the mother tried to abort the child inside the womb repeatedly uh, with a goat coat hanger while she was pregnant with the child. It's a very disturbing story. Um, so again, how we were made to feel about ourselves is what we take on and believe and then live the rest of our life with that until we become aware that that exists, that that exists. So again, where we were hurt, disappointed, where there was trauma, we need to now as an adult, go back into those feelings that we defend against. My very dear friend, brilliant young woman, was told she was stupid, and was beat up as a little girl and um, very badly and was told she was stupid. Is better now, but goes, continually goes to school, has so many degrees and licenses and never feels settled. So, These are positive ways of our wound, in recognition of our wound after the fact to see how we've used it productively. Many times people will uh, become alcoholics, drug addicts, overeaters, whatever, to get rid of the feeling. We're all looking to get rid of our feelings because they're painful but we need to go through them. There's no way forward except to go through them with God. So including God in our prayer, bringing God into it, the God of your understanding. And, you know, scripture talks about this. Um, There's a lot in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, Nicodemus comes who was a, uh, who was a Pharisee was one of the religious of the time in Jesus's time came to Jesus in the middle of the night. He didn't want anyone to know that he was looking to be interested in what Jesus was doing. So he came to Jesus in the middle of the night and he's asking Jesus questions about the kingdom of God. Jesus always spoke about the kingdom of God The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is amongst us. The kingdom of God is within you. Jesus was talking about, and he lived it and exemplified it. He was talking about a new consciousness that was so different in in, in his time. But he lived it. So Jesus tells Nicodemus, No one can see the kingdom of God unless he or she is born again. How are we born again? We're born again by facing these painful places and going through them with God. As Christians and Catholics, Jesus's journey every moment he lived he experienced every type of torment trauma rejection everything that a human being can can feel he lived it inwardly and outwardly to show us what life would be like how to live and how to treat one another in the midst of it and it was certainly not projecting it onto others which we're going to look at next week he absorbed it, he took it on, it put him on that cross. But what that cross represented and revealed to us was that when we suffer through these feelings that were put into us by others, quote, original sin, by others, dysfunction, and we're all dysfunctional, the only difference is those of us that know we are. And once we know we are, we can make choices differently. If we're unconscious of it, then we have then we have no choice. Because we don't have a choice. No one can ask us, what is it you want me to do for you? Because we're unconscious of it, we will not know. So in that... Jesus showed us that we die on that cross. We die to that suffering and we take on the likeness. We transcend. We rise again. We resurrect. Every time we face the pain, we resurrect. This is the power of psychoanalysis, spiritual direction is that together with God, we face the wounds. The wounds are always there, but once we face them, once we begin to own them, they do not have the power over us anymore. We have a choice. We have a choice. We are no longer a victim to them because there really is no such thing as a victim anyway. As a child, you could be victimized, but as an adult, there's no such thing as being victimized. We are called to awaken and be conscious so that we can grow into the depth, openness, the broad mind of Christ as the seat of our true selves, because we all have a true and a false self. So the false self is the self that we created in the first order of life from zero to seven, the mechanical self. Why did we create this mechanical self? Because we always come from love and we want to be loved and accepted no matter what. So a child will always Look to fit in. will always look to fit in to get the love and acceptance by the original family, by the original tribe. So as it's growing up, the foundation of whether it be church, any elders that you were around became the first order and we believed, and we pushed ourselves to believe that they knew and we didn't, that they knew what was best. And if their reaction to us and how they how we felt in that reaction to us is what we believed because we wanted to be loved and we wanted to be accepted. So even if we knew that maybe mommy and daddy weren't doing anything right or something right as a child, we have a sixth sense towards it as a child, we would never ever look at that because a child would never make mother and father wrong because we come from love and we want that love and we want that consistent acceptance. And that's why all of these places in us that hurt these wounds exist. And we're going to look at this in more depth next week. I hope this was helpful. And I wish that if any of you want to ask questions, you can go on to dot drgdau.com. And you'll be able to leave me messages and ask questions so I can address them in one of the shows. I'm more than happy to do that. I know that this is a lot of material and I really hope it's okay. God bless you. I thank you. And I just wanted to end in a prayer and I always seem to lose my prayer, but let us just pray from our hearts that God bless all those listening, bless all living things in the universe. Thank you for this blessing to be present and helpful in your name to all those listening. We pray for all humanity and all living creatures. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Good night.
1: You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24
2: hours a day.
4: Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on Talk Radio We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening, the mind behind leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders.
3: Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc.
1: Are you a curious person, always asking questions? Do you desire to be in the know? Then join me, Antonia, host of So Now You Know, Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Listen in as I attempt to satisfy that curiosity. I will be talking with amazing everyday people. Join the fun. So now you know on Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc.
2: you listeners looking to boost your business why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates interested simply send us a message on our website talkradio.nyc
5: are you a small business trying to navigate the covid-19 related employment laws hello i'm eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show employment law today on my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc.